0: Listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on this four volume, over 2500 page work by the Venerable Maria Vagrida. Today is day 75, and we are reading chapter 15 in its entirety, beginning with paragraph 646 and ending at 659. Chapter 15 Description of another kind of visions and communications which the Most Holy Mary enjoyed. With the holy angels of her guard six forty six Such is the force and efficacy of God's grace and of his love excited in the creature, that it can blot out in it the very images of sin and the earthly nature of man one Corinthians fifteen forty nine, and form it in a new being and celestial image, whose conversation is in heaven, Philippians three twenty, understanding loving, and operating not anymore as a creature of earth, but as a being celestial and divine. For the force of love ravishes the heart and soul by which the creature lives, sacrificing and transforming them to which it loves. This Christian truth, believed by all, understood by the learned, and experienced by the saints, must be conceived as fulfilled in our great Queen and Lady, in so privileged a manner, that neither by the example of what was experienced by the saints nor by the intellect of the angels can it ever be comprehended or explained. Most Holy Mary, as being the mother of the word, was mistress of all creation. But being a faithful representation of her only begotten son, she, in imitation of him, made so little use of creatures, of which she was mistress, that none ever used them less than she. For she excluded all that was not absolutely necessary, for the service of the Most High, and for the natural life of her Most Holy Son and of herself. 647. To this forgetfulness and withdrawal from all earthly things corresponded her intercourse with heaven. This again was proportionate to her dignity as the Mother of God and Queen of Heaven. All earthly intercourse being thus transformed into the heavenly, it followed as a natural consequence that the Queen and Mistress of Angels Enjoyed singular privileges in regard to the attention paid to her by the heavenly courtiers, her vassals, and she treated and conferred with them in a more exalted manner than all the other human creatures, how holy soever they may be. In the twenty-third chapter of the first book, I have said something of the diverse ordinary visions, in which the holy angels and seraphim, who were destined and selected for her guard, manifested themselves to our queen and mistress— And in the foregoing chapter I explained in general the manner and form of the divine visions conceded to her, having been careful to keep in mind that in all their wide range and sphere, they were supremely exalted and divine in their nature, their manner, and their effects upon her most holy soul. 648. In this chapter I will treat of another kind of vision, more singular and privileged still, which the Most High granted to Most Holy Mary, and by which she communicated with and visibly treated with the holy angels of her guard and with the rest, who in behalf of the Lord visited her on diverse occasions. This mode of vision and intercourse was of the same kind, by which each one of the supernal spirits knows the others, as they are in themselves, without any other image, to move the intellect. Then the very substance and nature of the angel thus known, The superior angels illumine the inferior, making known to them the hidden mysteries which the Most High reveals and manifests immediately to the higher angels for transmission to the lowest. For this manner of communicating with them is befitting to the greatness and infinite majesty of the highest king and governor of all creation. From this, it can easily be seen that this most orderly illumination and revelation is a favor which is superadded to the essential glory of the holy angels. For the essential glory they obtain immediately from the divinity, each one receiving the vision and fruition of God according to the measure of his merits. One angel cannot create essential happiness in another by illumining him or revealing to him a mystery. For the one who is illuminated would not thereby see God face to face, without which he cannot be in beatitude or attain to his last end. 6.49 But since the object is infinite and is like a voluntary mirror, There are infinite secrets and mysteries, besides those which pertain to beatific knowledge, which God can reveal to the saints and which he reveals to them especially in the government of his church and in the world. In these revelations he follows the course, which I am explaining. As these revelations are outside of the essential glory, the want of these revelations cannot be called ignorance in the angels or a privation of knowledge, but it is called nescience or negation while the revelation is called illumination, or purgation or purification of that nescience, according to our mode of understanding, it might be compared to the process which takes place when the rays of the sun pass through many crystals in succession, making all partake of the same light from the first to the last, and reaching first those that are more immediately neighboring to the light. Only one difference must be noted in this comparison. That the prisms of crystals are entirely passive in this process, in respect to the rays, without having any more activity than that given by the sun, which illumines all by one operation. But the holy angels are passive, in receiving the enlightenment, and active in communicating it to their inferiors, and moreover they communicate their light with praise, admiration, and love, all derived from the supreme Son of Justice, the eternal and immutable God. 6.50. Into this admirable and divine order of revelation the Most High introduced Most Holy Mary, so that she might enjoy these privileges, which the courtiers of heaven possess as becoming their virtue. For this purpose he appointed the seraphim, who I have mentioned in the fourteenth chapter of the first book, because they were supreme and nearest to the divinity. Also other angels of Mary's guard performed the same office, whenever according to the divine will it seemed befitting and necessary. The queen of angels and men knew all these angels and others as they are in themselves without dependence upon the sense or the fantasy, and without any hindrance from the mortal or earthly body. Through this vision and knowledge, the seraphim and other angels of the Lord illuminated and purified her, revealing to their queen many mysteries, which, for that very purpose, they had learned from the Most High. And although this kind of illumination and intellectual vision was not continual in Most Holy Mary, it was very frequent especially when in order to give her opportunity for more merits and divine movements of love, the Lord hid or absented himself from her, as shall be described afterwards. On such occasions he made use of the mediation of the angels, allowing their enlightenment to proceed in its order until it was communicated to their queen. This mode of illumination did not derogate from the dignity of the mother of God and of the mistress of the angels, For in the conferring of these benefits, the mode of their participation was not to be determined by the dignity and sanctity of our sovereign queen, since in that she was superior to the angelic orders, but it was determined by the present state and condition of her nature, in which she was inferior, for she was yet a wayfarer, and of a human bodily and mortal nature. By these illuminations she was to be raised to the angelic operation and estate, Though yet, living in mortal flesh and subject to natural use of the senses, and it was a great privilege, yet entirely proper to her sanctity and dignity, I believe that the hand of the Most High has extended this favor to other souls in mortal life, although not so frequently as to his Most Holy Mother, nor was such a plenitude and under such exalted conditions as in her. If many doctors, now without good reason, conceded that St. Paul, Moses, and other saints had enjoyed beatific vision, it is credible that other earthly wayfarers have shared this kind of knowledge of the angelic nature, for this favor is no more than to see intuitively the angelic substance. In regard to clearness, this vision corresponds to the one which I have first mentioned in the foregoing chapter, and in regard to the intellectual qualities, it corresponds to the third mentioned in the same place, although it does not proceed by means of imprinted images. 652 the truth is, this privilege is not ordinary or common, but very rare and extraordinary, and therefore it demands in the soul a great preparation and purity of conscience. It is incompatible with earthly affections, voluntary imperfections, or any leaning toward sin. For in order that the soul may enter into the angelic order, it may lead a life more angelic than human. Since if this supernal assimilation and sympathy is wanting, the union of such extremes would imply a monstrous disproportion. With the divine grace... However, the creature, although yet an earthly and corruptible body, can deny himself all that is demanded by its passions and inclinations, die to all visible things, eject from its memory all images of them, and live more in the spirit than in the flesh. And when it arrives at the enjoyment of true peace, tranquility, and quiet of spirit, which cause in it a sweet and loving serenity in the possession of the highest good, then it is less incapable of being raised to the vision of the angelic spirits by intuitive clearness of receiving the divine revelations which they communicate to each other, and of experiencing the admirable effects of this kind of vision. 653. If those which our sovereign queen received correspond to her purity and love, their value cannot be estimated by men. The light communicated to her in these visions of the seraphim is beyond human comparison, for to a certain extent the image of the divinity is flashed from them, as from most pure spiritual mirrors, in which Most Holy Mary perceived it in all its infinite attributes and perfections. Also, the glory which the seraphim themselves enjoyed was manifested to her in an admirable manner by some of its effects. For as she saw intuitively the essence of the angels, she knew much of its secrets. By the insight into these things, she was entirely inflamed and kindled with divine love, and many times rapt in wonderful ecstasy. Hence, in union with the seraphim and the angels, she broke forth in canticles of praise, celebrating the incomparable glory of the divinity, so that she excited the admiration of the heavenly spirits themselves. For though she was enlightened by them as regards the intellect, yet by her own acts of the will, she left them far behind, and with a much greater force of love did she quickly ascend and arrive at union with the ultimate and the highest good. Whence she immediately received new impulses of the torrent of the divinity, Psalm thirty-five nine, by which she was inundated. And if the seraphim had not been enjoying the presence of the infinite object, which was the beginning and the end of their beatific love, they might well have been the pupils of their most holy queen and divine love, just as she was theirs in regard to the illumination of the mind derived from them. 654. Next to the immediate vision of the spiritual angelic substance, the more inferior intellectual vision of the same by infused species is more common, as we said also of the abstracted vision of the divinity. This kind of vision the Queen of Heaven enjoyed sometimes, but it was not so common with her as the one mentioned. For though in other just souls the privilege of seeing the angels and saints by means of the intellectual images is very rare and precious, yet in the Queen of Angels it was not necessary because she had a more exalted intercourse and knowledge of them. She therefore enjoyed this inferior kind of visions only when the Lord ordained that the angels should hide themselves, and when the more exalted communion with them was to be interpreted, for her greater merit and practice in virtue. In such time she saw them by intellectual or imaginary species, as mentioned in the foregoing chapter. Divine effects are produced in other souls by these vision of angels, through intellectual images. For these celestial beings become known to the mind and their quality as executors and ambassadors of the supreme king, and with them the soul holds sweet colloquy concerning the Lord and concerning all celestial and heavenly things. The whole soul is illumined, taught, directed, and governed, led on and urged onward in its ascent to the perfect union of divine love, and in its and in its efforts to practise that which is the most consummate, refined, and holy in the spiritual life. Instruction vouchsafed by the Queen of Heaven. 6.55 Admirable, my daughter, is the love, the fidelity, and the solicitude with which the angelic spirits assist mortals in their necessities. And most horrible is the forgetfulness and gratitude and grossness on the part of men in failing to acknowledge this debt. In the bosom of the Most High, whose face they see, Matthew 8.10, in beatific clearness, These heavenly spirits perceive the infinite paternal love of the Father in heaven for earthly men, and therefore they appreciate and estimate worthily the blood of the Lamb, by which men were brought and rescued, and they know the value of the souls, thus purchased with the treasures of the divinity. Thence arises their watchfulness and attention, securing the interests of the soul, which on account of the value set upon them by the Most High, having been given into their charge. I wish thee to understand well, How, by the ministry of these angels, mortals would receive great enlightenment and incomparable favors from the Lord, if only they did not hinder them by their sins and abominations, and by their oblivion of this inestimable blessing. But as they block up the way which God in his ineffable providence has opened up for conducting them to eternal felicity, the greater part of them damn themselves, whereas with the protection of the angels and with a proper estimate, of his blessing, they could save themselves. O oh, my dearest daughter, since many men are so indifferent in attending to the paternal works of my Son and Lord, I seek in thee a special gratitude for this blessing. Since he has dealt with thee liberally in his appointment of angels for thy guard, be attentive to their intercourse and listen to their injunctions and in reverence. Give thyself over to their guidance. Honor them as ambassadors of the Most High. Seek their favor, in order that, having been cleansed of thy sins and freed from imperfection, inflamed with divine love, thou mayest become so spiritualized as to be fit to treat with them as their companion in the participation of the divine illuminations. These he will not withhold from thee, if thou, on thy part, dispose thyself in the manner I desire. 6.57 Since thou hast desired to know the spirit of obedience, with the reason that the holy angels communicate with me in so many kinds of visions, I will respond to thy desires, explaining more clearly what thou hast understood and written with the aid of divine light. The cause of this privilege was, on the part of the Most High, his most liberal love, with which he pursued me, and on my part it was the state of pilgrimage in which I then found myself, for it was neither possible nor befitting that this life should be altogether uniform in regard to the acts of virtue by which the divine wisdom wished to raise me above all creation, as this pilgrimage was to be performed by me as a human wayfarer, subject to the use of the scenes with all its various coincidences of life and the practice of virtue. I sometimes acted altogether in a spiritual manner, without the hindrance of the senses, when the angels communicate with me as they do among themselves. At other times it was necessary for me to suffer and be afflicted in the lower part of my soul or in my sensitive faculties. At other times again I suffered want, loneliness, and interior dereliction, according to the vicissitudes of these great effects and conditions. I received the favors and the visits of the holy angels. Many times, then, did I speak to them by intelligence, at others in imaginary species, at others in corporeal and sensible vision, according as my state and necessities demanded, and the Most High ordained, 658. By all these means, my faculties and senses were illumined and sanctified through the divine influences and the blessings in order that I might experience in reality all these operations and through all of them receive the influx of supernatural grace. But in regard to these favors, my dearest daughter, I wish thee to remember that although God acted with such magnificent mercy toward me, he nevertheless followed his intention of conferring them upon me so lavishly, not only because of my dignity as his mother, But because he took into my account my cooperation and disposition, by which I concurred with his graces on my part. I withdrew all my faculties and senses from intercourse with created things, and rejecting all that was merely sensible and created, turned to the highest good, and centered all the powers of my will on his holy love. In this disposition of my soul, I sanctified all the faculties by cooperation. With these favors, visions, and illuminations, having evacuated them of all human and terrestrial pleasures, so great was the reward of my works in the mortal flesh that thou canst not understand nor describe it with mortal tongue. The liberality of the highest at once makes an advance payment of the blessings in this life as a pledge of those he reserved for the eternal. 6.59 And although the powerful arm of God by these means wished to prepare me worthily for my conception for the incarnation of the word in my womb and to sanctify and form my faculties and senses from the intercourse and communication with my son, Nevertheless, if other souls would dispose themselves in imitation of me, living not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, free and untouched by the earthly contagion, the Most High would show his fidelity to these souls as well, and would not deny them his blessings and favors, according to the equity of his divine providence. This concludes our reading today for day number 75. Today we read from Book 2, Chapter 15, paragraphs 646, to 659. Listen again to how today's reading started. I thought it was quite beautiful. Such is the force and efficacy of God's grace and of his love excited in the creature that can blot out in it the very images of sin and the earthly nature of man and form in it a new being and celestial image whose conversation is in heaven, understanding, loving, and operating not anymore as a creature of earth, but as being celestial and divine. For the force of love ravishes the heart and soul by which the creature lives, sacrificing and transforming them to that which it loves. The force of love ravishes the heart and soul by which the creature lives, sacrificing and transforming them to that which it loves. So that force of love is the love of God, that love of God that we all know, that love of God that we all experience. It ravishes our heart. God loves us, and we, in turn, then love God. And in this mutual love, then, we are transformed into that which we love. I just thought it was a beautiful sentence for us to really unpack And for us just simply to sit with and to realize, God loves me, I love God, and now allow God to change me, to transform me. If I'm going to be honest, I wasn't particularly moved by this reading. It wasn't that interesting to me. I hope it's okay that I say that. I did find at the very end a few things, though, that we can mention. One of them, was this divine effects are produced in other souls by these visions of angels through intellectual images for these celestial beings become known to the mind in their quality as executors and ambassadors of the supreme king and with them the soul holds sweet colloquy concerning the lord and concerning all celestial and heavenly things so i thought the word colloquy might be a word unfamiliar to you This word colloquy is something that is used in the spiritual life as really a conversation that I am conversing with God, that I'm speaking to God about something, that I'm relating it and sharing it with the Almighty. So whenever you talk to God, you're, in a sense, entering into a colloquy. And then the instruction which Mary gave to Maria is one that, again, is a bit challenging for us to hear. Admirable, my daughters, the love, the fidelity, and solicitude with which the angelic spirits assist mortals in their necessities. And most horrible is the forgetfulness and gratitude and grossness on the part of men in failing to acknowledge this debt. Again, O my dearest daughter, since many men are so indifferent in attending to the paternal works of my Son and Lord, I seek in the especial gratitude for this blessing. So that's something for us to, again, realize. She's mentioning it here again, the Blessed Mother speaking to Maria. But sometimes we don't think about these heavenly realities. We live our lives indifferent. We don't call them to mind. And so we should have a gratitude for the fact that God has given me a guardian angel. I should be grateful that I have Mary as an intercessor and St. Joseph and my patron saint. And so we need to have a greater awareness of all the things and all the good ways that God is richly blessing us and bestowing his grace upon us. That's something that we need to cultivate in our own lives. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful that you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. May God bless you, and Mary pray for you.